And it's based off of, if you have missed any lessons, you can tune back in at refugechurchonline.com. Click on the sermons tab and you can listen from your smartphone, listen from the internet. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, somebody will come to God and it's, this lesson is geared at people that say, well, okay, hey, I've, I've repented, I've been baptized, I've been filled with the Spirit, I'm serving, I'm trying to love and serve God. But now what? Where do I go from here? And so we have, I've developed this curriculum to really be very, very practical life teaching as to, hey, how to live for God. We started with the basics. We started with what does it mean, who and what is God in the Bible, reading the word, fasting, praying. Because if we don't know how to pray and read the Bible, I mean, that, they teach you that, read the Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. So that's, that's, that's basic. If we can't get that, we really don't need to go further yet until we get that. So we started with basics. Then we're, we've gone into lifestyle issues, and that's where we're spending some time tonight. Because as I've been saying in this series, holiness is not just what we're separated from, but also what we're separated unto. What I mean by that is, hey, I'm not going to live my life like everyone else in the world. God says, come out from among them, be separate. I, there's going to be a distinction between me serving God and the rest of the world who might not serve God. But it's not just, hey, these are the rules of what I can't do. It's saying I'm separated from this and unto God. That's what holiness really is. It's, it's, and so tonight we want to look at this. If I could have my first slide. Um, tonight we want to look at this, and that's Proverbs twenty-two twenty-eight. It says, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. In the Old Testament, book of Deuteronomy, a landmark was actually a boundary marker between neighbors. The word landmark, it was boundary, border, limit. And so tonight I want to speak on this title. I'm not, I'm not able to move. I want to speak on this title. And that is, lines must be drawn. Lines must be drawn. Our world is a much different place than it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Amen? One of the biggest ways I believe is that things are not as black and white as they used to be. In the TV realm, we had, it was always very, very clear. You had the good guy. And the bad guy. Which one do you suppose is the good guy? Riding in on the, right, or the white horse. Now you got the bad guy on the other side. Well, today you do something like this and, and people say it's racism. Okay? I mean, like, it, think, things have changed so much in the last century. And so today we have what might be this area in the middle that is this gray area. This, well, it's maybe not as distinct and clear as it once was. Our culture has invented, well, it's not that bad. It's relatively decent. So-so. It's not that big of a deal. Do we not hear phrases like this? And so we definitely don't like the words border, boundary, limits. Those are not exciting words for humanity, I'm not even talking about outside the church. We inside the church don't like the words border, boundary, and limits. 
But since the scripture tells us, hey, don't remove the borders, boundaries, and limits set by, the, by your forefathers, I think we need to take a little time and talk about boundaries and limits. What scares me is that some people, even Christians, get to the place where if we're not careful, we don't even know what we stand for, nevertheless stand against. So we have to be very careful because if we don't know what we're standing for, what we're standing against, we fall for anything. And so some of us might already feel uncomfortable because when you start talking about standing against something, and we live in a society, again, live and let live to each their own, except people who, for who they are. Everyone has their own beliefs. And you have to be careful because if you say, hey, I don't believe that, people will say, well, you're closed-minded, you're a hypo this, you're a something phobic, you are living in the past, you need to get with the times. Am I, am I telling the truth here? Who here has a computer? Raise your hand if you have a computer. All right. How many of you hate that computer some days? <laughs> now, majority of people have a computer on them right now. That's how much times have changed. That first computer was a mammoth, okay? Now, this is a computer. I can literally access all, every single one of my files and pictures from virtual online storage right here. I can email you things right now, files. The sermon I'm preaching from my notes tonight, I could email you them right now from my phone. It's incredible. There's a lot of great things about technology, but then there's a lot of dangers, a lot of downsides. And so how many of you have ever saved a file, a picture, a song, anything at all, ever saved anything on a computer? All right. If you don't know, how does a computer save something? Now, now we've moved into virtual storage, online storage. But on your computer, when you save something, it writes it to a hard drive. So you, it takes your little file, and depending on the file size, if you record a 20-minute video, that file size is going to take up more space. But it records it onto a hard drive where then you can access that file at a later time. How many of you have ever been typing something and you lost the file before you saved it? It wasn't on the hard drive. That's a very, that will test your Christianity. <laughs> but either way, it's stored in that place until you bring it up again. You might not look for that file for a few years. And all of a sudden, you can come back and say, hey, where was that file? Now you can search things and bring up a file that you saved a decade ago and bring that file up. The only difference between the ability your computer has to store music, pictures, files, images, and the ability that your brain has to do the same thing is that you can erase your computer. Meaning, if I want, I can delete the clean off the hard drive, I can delete files, I can get rid of them, remove them, they don't exist anymore. When I put a picture, a file, a song, an image on my brain, there is no erasing it. You will carry that feeling, that thought, that words, that image, that smell, whatever it is, it registers. Your, your brain is the greatest computer ever made. No computer that is made by Apple or Dell or HP will ever touch the computer that God's placed in your head. 
Your brain stores all of it, just like your child's brain stores every picture, file, song that they are allowed to experience. Now, there are some things both you and I have allowed into our brains that we will battle the rest of our lives. It's a sad, scary thing, but it's real. I'm being very real tonight. There are things that you allowed. How many of you can remember a song that you heard decades ago that you haven't heard in years, but if it came on, you could still sing the words. It's amazing. It's amazing. So if our minds store these things and and our experiences with our five senses, should we not be careful about what our five senses experience? I'm just going to do it this one time. I'm just going to listen this one time. I'm just going to watch this. I'm going to see how bad it really is. That is being burned into the hard drive of the mind. So will this song, will this movie, will this picture, will, this, will these things be something that will be profitable or something that I could possibly battle for decades to come? Matthew 6.23 says, If thine eye be evil, if thy eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. Interesting. David committed to God. He said that he would set no wicked and evil thing before his eyes. Why? You see New Testament talking about eye really being the window to the soul. Old Testament talking about this. You know what wicked means in this verse? Wicked means in addition to evil and ungodly, the word belial actually means without profit, worthlessness. So David makes a covenant with God not to allow worthless things in front of his eyes that don't have profit. Interesting. He also asked God to turn his eyes away from beholding vanity in Psalm 119. He says right there in Psalm 1937, vanity actually refers to what is worthless, foolish, and empty, similar to what he called wicked. So, Psychologists actually have studies that, that say 99% of our thought life is stimulated by what we see. So that means that the majority of those thoughts that random, they're not random like you might think. That's why when people, like I say, people will slip and they swear, oh, I don't know where that came from. I know exactly where that came from. Most likely, a song you've listened to, a movie you've watched, or the way you were raised. Because when things get burned into our brain, it, 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 it kind of, well, and that's why even throughout the day, our thoughts, we start to, if you think good thoughts, well, it's probably in that, that old saying that grandma taught you, garbage in, garbage out. That's right. That's right. That what is going in will eventually come out. And so this is so dangerous because look at Proverbs 23, 7. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you see this? Do you see what's happening here? Eyes the window to the soul. 99% of our thought life is impacted by what we see. So what we see impacts the thought life, and as we think, that's who we become. So really, you'll see this, and I'm getting ahead of myself, society has become 
what has been introduced to the mo- in, in, via the most powerful medium. And we're going to get on this. See, what we see determines thought life. And thought life determines who we become and who we are. So four reasons, and, and, and Satan knows. Satan knows your eyes are a powerful tool that can get you thinking about sin. This is why. Think about in the Bible. The devil takes Jesus to a high mountain. Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. So people say, God can't be tempted to sin. Yes, but when he took on humanity, Hebrews tells us he was tempted in all manner and points like we are, yet without sin. So in his humanity, he still had warm blood running through his body. And the fact that that makes my relationship with him all the more special because I can say a prayer and know that he's walked in my shoes. He didn't cheat. He wasn't like some God man that had a fake flesh. He walked in a, as a human being, and that's why there was no other man like him, 100% God, 100% man at the same time. But here he is looking over, and the devil says, hey, you see all that? Do you see all that? That can be yours. If you would just bow down, and work. you can have all of it. How did David fall? David is a man after God's own heart. How did he fall? By looking. By watching Bathsheba. The devil goes after Jesus. There's an old saying or a poem that I read once that said, guard what you see, what you see becomes your thoughts. Guard your thoughts, they become your speech. Guard your speech, it becomes your actions. Guard your actions, they become who you are. Why would the devil want to tempt us with our eyes? I think there's four reasons. First one being, it's a way to suggest things to us that we might never have thought about. So if you watch certain things and certain things make it into your mind through your eyes, it might be something you've never even thought about. But if it's introduced through your eyes to your thoughts, what's going to happen? Hey, I start to dwell on that. Hmm, I wonder. That's weird. That's strange. Second, these sights can be embedded or stored in our mind. Why is the devil using our our, our our eyes to get to us? Well, because the sights can be embedded or stored in our mind and return later to tempt us just one more initial time. That's why when people say, hey, the devil's really been tempting me, you've heard me say this. I say, well, my goodness, you must be a world changer because the devil's not God. He can only be in one place at one time. So if the devil is literally tempting you, you must be the most powerful person walking in shoe leather. Well, James tells us we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. So the devil, I'm not, yeah, there's a, the, the, the Bible talks about a spiritual realm, demonic realm, a devil. Absolutely, they, they exist and they do work on people and tempt people and do these things. But if we taste something just once, if we allow our eyes to be open to something that gets into our heart, mind, and soul, the devil does not have to keep staying around because now there's an image embedded in your hard drive that's going to continually present itself. The third reason, by constant exposure to certain sites, we'll gradually become totally accustomed to them. And we see this in our culture, whether you realize it or not. Finally, the devil knows if he can get us to think about something long enough, we will sin. 
If you think about something long enough, you will sin. That's why the Bible talks so much about taking control of your imaginations and what your thoughts be pure and holy. And, and, it, and there's commands about thoughts processes. So why did God, he, was he not fair when he created us? He's absolutely fair. fair. That's why he talks so much about controlling our thoughts, making no provision for the flesh. That's why even Isaiah, he says, he that stoppeth his ears from hearing blood and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil should dwell on high. There's power in be care, being careful what we listen to, which we've already talked about that, and what we watch and allow in our eyes. That's, and I just referenced this one about abstaining from evil. Christians, people, Christian people will sometimes say, the devil doesn't tempt people because he can't be in more than one place at one time. But again, he doesn't have to. And the gradual change, he can impact us. And here's the thing. It starts with one of the most powerful mediums in the world. And we know the power of the medium because in the 60s, it was the first presidential election or presidential debate that was televised. And a man emerged from there and became our president because while Richard Nixon was sweating and looking unbelievably uncomfortable, a young, good-looking guy named John F. Kennedy Jr. sat in front of a television screen and just blew America's minds because he was good-looking, he was well-spoken, and he was comfortable in front of a camera. Television has changed the course of our world. And guess what? Percentage of homes with at least one TV 99%. Almost every single American home has a television. Matter of fact, percentage of American homes with three or more televisions, 66%. And so when, when we hit recession, people just freak out. You have thousands of dollars in your home and your garage. Don't ever forget that. We just don't want to sell it when we need it. But a TV is on average in a typical home. It's on for almost seven hours a day. TV's the epitome, though, of the meaning of the words wicked and vanity. Now, before you get very mad, hang with me. These words mean without profit, worthless, foolish, and empty, according to the Bible. Even if you do watch TV, I think many of us would admit, even if you're saying here, I watch six hours and 47 minutes of TV a day, I'm right on there. I think the majority of people would admit, yeah, but I got to admit, it's not, there's not much profit in it. It's kind of worthless. It's kind of a time waster. Yes, but I watch this and that and only this and only that. Okay, but are you still willing to admit that it's, it's kind of a time waster? Kind of without profit. And, and, and I'm willing to admit, because I'm standing in the pulpit, I can't look like, oh man, I'm just perfect. No, I'm not. I enjoy catching an occasional Green Bay Packer game. But I'll tell you, that is three hours of wasted life. It's a total waste. There's not anything that profits. Matter of fact, sometimes I even get more stressed out, which is crazy, because I walk away, and I'm like, 
These guys mean nothing to me in the end. Fan, fandom in America is very strange because we get sucked in, but like my blood pressure changes as the game gets close, and I get nothing out of whether they win or lose. I guess I get a little something. I get to brag, brag to Chiefs fans occasionally, but. But I once had a couple of youth when I was a youth leader come to me, and they were arguing that TV does not influence people. They said this. They said, everyone makes their own choices. That being said, that's interesting because I'm not talking about Christian studies. I'm talking about every major psychological and sociological studies done by non-Christian people point to the fact that TV does influence every viewer in some way, shape, or form. If they as researchers can give you statistics tonight, well, I will do the same also. Look at this. Hours per year the average American youth spends in school. What's your guess? How many? I didn't hear. Guess. What? 300. Did I hear 900? Yeah, he's a cheater. He loaded the PowerPoint. 900 hours. Average American, how many of you go to school right now? You're spending about 900 hours a year in school. Any guess how much the average American youth spends in front of the TV? Fifteen hundred hours. What do you suppose has the most influence in your child's life? How about what has the most influence in your life? See, because we expect our kids, if we're not careful, we expect our kids to watch 30 hours of TV a week and all the principles that go along with it come to church for one to three hours a week, forget about everything that they've watched for 30 hours a week and pray that our Sunday school teachers and the preaching can change them and make them love God. This is where we're at in America. I'm not just talking about, oh, the people that are lost and sinners. And No, I'm talking about in American churches, especially some of us, we've, parents in America in 2016, for a lot, in a lot of ways, we've gotten lazy too. So TV becomes a really good babysitter. Do you know that statistics, studies show that, that your brain is actually more engaged while you're sleeping than when you're watching TV? So, if I'm tired, I've been working and she's been working, we come home, we flip the TV on and boom, woo! It's home free. Just watch my kid for a while, okay? I'm going to go in the other room. Well, I only turn on this and that. Listen, if I even stream a Packer game on my iPad, I don't leave my iPad sit there and me go away from it because I don't even trust the commercials that my kids see.
Think about this. Even if you were only watching news and sports and History Channel and HGTV or whatever, it's still a complete waste of hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of our lives. The Lord commands us to redeem the time. Yet so many of us, so many people, I won't say us because that's unfair to you, but so many people in America are too busy to come to church, come to a prayer meeting, go to outreach, read the Bible, do a Bible study, keep up on a bread Bible, but we're getting six hours and 47 minutes a day of TV. Is there not a problem with this? Fifteen hundred hours a year of TV. I think in that, based on the averages that I've looked up, 1,500 hours a year of TV, our kids could read the entire Bible through three full times. With the amount of time that they watch television on average, the average student, based on words per minute and what they read, could finish the Bible three times front to back. TV's constantly changing. Television viewers subconsciously assume, hear me, they assume, this has been proven too, they assume that society in general is similar to what they see on the screen, and that becomes the definition. That defines what is normal in culture. There's a reason why people pay like $3 million to get a 30-second ad in the Super Bowl. Because they understand full well the power of that medium. So, if they understand it, why are we as Christians still arguing that it's not a big deal? So, if that's there, and that picture, it it defines what is normal in society. Think back Go back with me and think. Do you think that it's a coincidence that the more physical relationships were introduced in television, you saw pregnancy rates go up? Is it in, uh, amazing that that culture, it defined, look at what happened even with Bill Clinton. He was the national leader, of the leader of the most powerful nation in the world. And he starts saying, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. I'm being very careful, it's Family Wednesday. But notice, a shift took place in culture because if it's okay for the president. And as you see, how many sitcoms can you watch where there isn't extramarital stuff, where there isn't stuff be same same genders? Have you not seen a shift in culture to now where our president is voting and saying that that's okay. They just moved all NCAA college sporting championship events out of the state of North Carolina because North Carolina has a law against transgender bathrooms. I'm only 35 here, and I'm going, what in the world has happened in the last decade? But people want to say, people will point to things like who's in the political office. Don't even get me started. But it starts way before that. The television medium has been preparing us for this very moment for decades. Some of you think I'm crazy. You think I done flipped my lid. 
Look back. How many of you recognize this person? Right there. Anyone recognize her? Raise your hand if you recognize her. Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown, a show about a single working mother who was severely criticized for that. This show was like cutting edge, causing all kinds of issues, all kinds of debates, because a single mother went to work in about the 80s. Then you move forward, how many recognize her? Ellen DeGeneres, who still has a name for herself. But do you know that she had a name for herself? She went into the backdrop and now reestablished it. You know why? Because she had a show, a sitcom named Ellen. But then it came out that she was, she liked ladies. And so what did they do? They canceled the sitcom. That was too cutting edge. It was too, people weren't ready for that yet. And so now, though, what happens is that was kind of, then they started having the, the show with, uh, I can't even remember the two guys that live with that girl in the apartment. Uh, no, no, that's, that's further back. <laughs> that, one, that one was more subliminal, subliminal, if anything. I'm trying to think of the one I see. I don't really watch a lot. And, ah, I can't remember. But anyway, so then all, those guys did well, even though they were like the same gender. And so what happened is, little by little, I'm against that. I don't stand for that. Not, I'm not going to watch it. I'm boycotting that. To little by little, all of a sudden, it was starting to come up in this sitcom and this sitcom and on the news here and this sitcom. And, 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 and we were watching it, and we were, we were sitting in our living rooms, and, and then, and then we, we started laughing at it. And then we started cracking up because they were really funny. And I, I don't stand for that, but this is funny. And as an adult, you might be able to differentiate between what you laugh at that you don't believe in and what you laugh at that you do believe in, but your kids can't. So when you look at your kids and say, we don't stand for that in this house, which majority of people don't even have that conversation when they're laughing at the sitcom. But little kids grow up, and even if they know mom and dad's against it, and I think I am too, it becomes normal. That, has, that is what has happened in American society. So that now, even the stuff's being taught in the schools, it didn't go that way overnight. It started with a powerful medium that normalized it. I have a degree in journalism, mass com. I've studied advertising and journalism and television news and all these things. I'm by no means an expert, but I know what I'm talking about. And so if you normalize something to the point where people can, and, and what's the best way to get someone to relax about something? To get them laughing. So if we can come into American homes and just get people laughing, then it becomes normal to where everybody can be comfortable with it, and then we'll take it to the next level. Folks, I don't know how many more levels we can take it. We're moving sporting events out of states because people who are confused about their identity, their orientation, is want to use one bathroom when they should be in another one? Come on now. 
Well, that's the way God made them. Well, what starts happening when people start talking about animals? I'm sorry, but let's be real here. So these are not, when I stand up and say, these are rules of the church. No, they're not rules of the church. I just want you to understand the power of the medium that sits in 99% of homes. We must ask ourselves, is what I'm watching, what I'm allowing my children to watch, is that pleasing to God? If God went along with me to Redbox to pick out a movie, if God sat down to watch the sitcom with me, would he be pleased with my selections? All I'm saying is that with all of our technology, there are not, maybe they're not even sin, all the different things, but they're gray areas. And if we're going to be godly people in the midst of living in so many gray areas, lines must be drawn. Look at statistics. A statement by the American Association of Pediatrics is telling. It says, for close to 30 years, more than 1,000 scientific studies have validated the premise that television violence influences aggressive behavior in some children. And keep your eyes on video games, too. We're staunch on TV, but we let our kids play games where they shoot and murder each other and kill each other, and yeah, that's great. Be wise. The most influential of these hundreds of studies is a 15-year study of 329 youths from the University of Michigan. Here's what they found. Men and women who were high TV violence viewers as children were significantly more inclined to show violent tendencies as adults. Such men were convicted of crimes more than three times the rate of other men, and such women reported having punched, beaten, or choked another adult four times the rate of other women. A study from Iowa State University. Overall, only 10% of children's viewing time is spent watching television designed for kids. Thank God, I, I would, I'm not a betting man. If I was betting, I would bet that that's very different from any of you that are here. But this is, just, this is not a study of Christian people. This is a study just worldwide, nationwide, I'm sorry, that only 10% of a children's viewing time is viewing Shows geared at them. Yet people are saying we have more control over what we watch. Do we not? I mean, like, with the TiVo stuff and all the choices and everything that's out, we have more. That might be true, but we're still not controlling it. Here's, here's some. I don't want my kids to hear their first cuss word in my living room. How sad would that be? So we have to guide, well, what, what am I watching? What am I allowing my eyes? What am I allowing my thought process when, you, when it comes to movies? Again, I try to draw in this series to draw very, very practical applications to biblical principles. If you're here and you say, I don't like this, I don't agree with it, that's fine. Nobody's saying you have to align with this in order to come and worship here. But I am saying, hey, if it's biblical, here are the principles. If we follow these principles, you're going to find that God is going to bless and, and walk with you in a way that, that if you don't follow these principles, it's going to be a lot more difficult. 
okay? And so here it says uh, movies. I want to look at just for a few minutes of movies. I'm going to look, and I think this is in your handout. I am not pulling anything from the Pentecostal organization. I'm not talking about how I was raised. I'm talking about I went to the Motion Picture Association of America. As far as I know, they're not Christian. It's not a Christian organization, all right? But they define their movie ratings. They spell them out. Is that in your handout, right? Okay, because I won't read everything again. I'm, I'm being very, very careful of what I'm saying on Family Wednesday with so many young years. But there are so many things. I want you to see general audience, okay? This is their definition, not mine. All ages admitted. G-rated motion picture contains nothing as far as it lists all the things out. The G rating is not a certificate of approval, nor does it signify a children's motion picture. I'm, everything I'm reading is verbatim from them. This is not me. So if you're here and you think, well, I just only watch G movies, I want you to know, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the, the truth. My wife and I have shut off G rated movies before because I felt like my kids don't need to be seeing them. If my kids don't need to be seeing it, do I? The next slide, PG, parental guidance suggested some material may not be suitable for children. So Hollywood is telling you that you're about to watch some pictures that might not be good for your children to watch. That's what they say. A PG-rated motion picture should be investigated by parents before they let their younger children attend. When's the last time you investigated a PG movie before you let your kids watch it? I hope you say, hey, the last time we watched one. The PG rated indicates in the view of the rating board, not the Bible, that parents may consider some material unsuitable for their children and parents should make that decision. There may be some profanity, violence, and it goes on, describes everything. There's no drug use. Woo, good, okay. So it's PG. Notice some of the things that can be included in PG, though. Are you comfortable with your son or daughter watching that? PG-13. Parents strongly cautioned. I know a lot of Christian homes that say, hey, we don't go this far, but we do allow PG-13. Well, let's take a look. We've looked at biblical principles. Let's look at how Hollywood defines it, and let's take a look. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13, according to Hollywood. It may go beyond the PG rating in theme, violence, sensuality, language, all those things, but it doesn't reach the restricted R category. Thank you for letting me know that. Any drug use will initially, at least, drug use puts you to PG-13 because drug use is still not socially acceptable yet. Anything more brief than brief, it goes to, to, to PG-13. Um, but even if you see that, it's not necessarily oriented. You see what I'm reading in this handout? I'll just explain that to my child when they see that. And when, I'll, I'll explain that to my seven-year-old when her innocence is stolen. That, 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 that's really not oriented that way. Rated R. Under 17 requires accompanying parent or adult guardian. So now if you're over 18, you're like, cool, see, I'm good with all these. Well, let's just remember biblical principles. 
An R-rated motion picture includes adult themes, adult activity, hard language, uh, intense or persistent violence. Um, read on. Children under 17 are not allowed to attend an R-rated movie. Parents are strongly urged, strongly urged to find out more about R-rated motion pictures and determining the, their suitability for their children. Generally, it is not appropriate for parents to bring their young children with them to R-rated movies. This is the Motion Picture Association of America. How sad is it if the Motion Picture Association of America is saying, parents, don't let your kids watch this. In church-going parents are saying, I think it's okay. My goodness, come out from among them. Be ye separate. We should be different. There should be a higher standard with someone who walks with God and serves God and aims to please God. But we're stuck. We're caught in a society that is so driven by entertainment. That for some, maybe you tonight, maybe some of you tonight, maybe someone listening online, I, I, I know that I'm challenging some people here. But for some people, you actually can't imagine letting go of movies. For some people, it's become such a way of life that it's entertainment that to try and think of living life without watching. It's been so long since I watched a movie. I can't even think of an example. I'm blanking out here. James Bond movies or something. I can't. I can't. I can't go without watching those. Which, when I did watch movies, at some point, God dealt with me and I had to make a decision. It's not like I grew up and then I started watching stuff by myself and then I let go and then God dealt with me and I, I raised a standard higher and then I raised a standard higher. And, and so, what is this? This is not me bragging. This is saying, hey, let God speak to you. Let God impress on you. Pray, ask him. In our house, there, I don't care if, well, it's only this. I think it's only history. There's only one swear word. There's only one scene. If it's anything over PG, I will never watch it. That's just where my line is drawn. I will never, and I shut off PG sometimes. But like back in the day when I did watch movies, I mean, it's not like, it's kind of like the music. When I said to you, hey, I broke CDs, I got rid of stuff, which now I said, young people don't even know what CDs are, you know what I mean? It's like CDs, we got MP3s, everything's streaming, everything's iTunes, this, that, what? But when I broke those CDs, it wasn't because I was like, I don't enjoy this music anymore. I, I, I thought there were still talented, there's, there's still today, there's talented musicians and singers, but I'm not going to allow them to come to my ears. Movies, would I enjoy sitting down and watching a movie? Oh, it's entertainment. They're the, best at, they're the best in the world at what they do. Could they catch my attention and I enjoy watching a storyline unfold in front of me? Of course. Now, my wife and I, we, did, we vary in what we enjoy. The climax of her movies are, let's go out for a crumpet and tea. <laughs> I would never, I can go without those. All the old-fashioned English dresses where everybody just has crumpets and tea all the time. <laughs> me, I'm like, I'm going to watch a movie. I want a fast car. I want a gun, you know. But I'm not going to make provision for my flesh. I made a, like David said, I made a covenant with my eyes. And I'm not here to exalt myself. I'm just here to say, hey, I know exactly where my lines are drawn. 
And I've drawn them for my household, for the family that God's called me to lead and protect. So when I read these, if Hollywood says, hey, don't do that, why in the world would a Christian parent think their 14 or 15-year-old is okay in an R-rated movie? And then you got NC-17, no one under 17 is admitted. Yeah, go ahead and read about that. If you're a Christian, you're watching NC-17, please find an altar tonight. That's all I'll say. Um, why I personally, though, and here's the thing. Ooh, countercultural, right? Countercultural. Some of you think, I, I'm, I, I like things. I like church apps, and I like to be cutting edge in certain areas. But then you, like, get to know me, and there's other parts of me that are really, really old-fashioned. So I'm going to share something with you in the next last few minutes here that maybe I'll lose all of you. I don't know. Hopefully not. Let me tell you why I don't go to theaters. A couple reasons. Number one, the Bible talks about not wanting someone to stumble. So I do think that if someone saw me in a line at a theater, that that could possibly cause someone to stumble. Pastor goes to theaters. Like, so just for that element, I say, you know what? I give it up. I don't do it. Number two, well, I'm just going to watch this cartoon. Yeah, but the Bible says that we live in a spiritual realm. This building was built for one purpose, to worship God, to join together, to exalt and praise his name. It's still, it's, it's, it's a holy place. Now, granted, we are the temples of the Holy Ghost, but there's still an element that we need to teach our kids that this ain't a gymnasium, that this is the house of God. There's still something about a reverence for the building that was the structure that was built for this. That being said, if I go to a theater, there, it was built for one purpose alone, to provide entertainment to a community. So even if I say, well, I'm going to take my kids to see Bambi, well, Bless God, we're going to see Bambi. Everybody's going to cry because he gets shot at the end. But I'm sorry if I ruined that for anyone. <laughs> sorry if I, I messed it up. Some people are probably going to watch Bambi in the next few weeks. Well, so, and I'm like, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with that. And you know what? I agree with you. There's nothing wrong with Bambi. I mean, it's a little sad, but I'm, there's nothing wrong with it. But right before Bambi, I saw a trailer recently for, what's, is it Paranormal Activity? Is that a new movie coming out? My goodness. Just, just, just the trailer for the movie is going to give my kids nightmares. It's all this haunting, especially at this time of year, you're going to start to see all kinds of crazy stuff. Which, if you think I'm nuts, there's a place downtown, and I have an article that talks about it, The Edge of Hell. It is, they rent out a warehouse facility, and it's a haunted house that is like super intense. And there are actually witches and warlords from across the country that come and do seances outside that building before people enter before the major week of Halloween. So don't tell me that we are not wrestling in a spiritual realm. They understand the spiritual realm sometimes more than the church does, and that's pathetic. So that building set aside for that. If I go to a theater, that building is set aside just for entertainment. And let's say I'm there to watch Bambi. Well, what about when right before it is Paranormal Activity, Saw 4, whatever these Halloween, whatever these, these movies are that I pray to God that we would be really uncomfortable with, that 
I would argue that there is a spiritual element attached to every one of those demonic type movies. So I'm going to enter a building and sit in the same place where I'm watching Bambi, but just 10 minutes earlier was something that spiritually I don't want to have any part of. I'm just telling you my reasons. And if I watch a movie in my home, I have total control. I can stop that, fast forward it, whatever I want. Well, bless God, if I go to a movie with my family, I'm probably going to walk out. Really? So you're going to pay? How much is it to go to the theater? No, don't answer because then I know who goes. It's just. <laughs> Let's say it's like 15 bucks a ticket. And then it's like 20 bucks, you know, for your popcorn and your drinks and stuff. So you're going to like drop 50, 60 bucks to take your family to a movie and you're just going to drop it all, leave it and walk out because something flashed across the screen that you don't agree with. No, you know, most people probably aren't going to do that. We're going to give it maybe the three strike rule, but those three images, those three scenes are forever burned on your child's brain. I just, so you know what? I say, I don't go at all. Well, do you want us to do the same? I'd love that. I'd love that. I think it's wise, but you're going to draw your own lines. The internet, the technology, and I realize the time, I've got to wrap this up, but the technology today is not bad in itself. Is the internet bad? You'd have some people say it is, but the internet is the information superhighway where you can find amazing stuff. I know people that watch sermons daily on the internet. Internet can be a great tool. People's lives have been touched and impacted, changed forever in a good way on the internet. Can the internet, can the internet be bad? Oh, you better believe it. So we cannot be afraid to draw lines as new things begin to introduce themselves. See, something like the internet is a useful tool, but if lines aren't, if lines aren't drawn, it becomes a tool for the devil. We would be foolish to control movies and TV and then let our kids run free in cyberspace because they're going to find way worse stuff in cyberspace than they will on the TV. Letting your children go on the internet without protection uh, or filtering is like taking your infant on a long trip in your car without a safety belt. No home among us should be without a filter on your computer system to protect your family. Why filtering? Well, because, read it. I think this is in your, I think this is in your uh, handout too. Look at that. Look at it. If you're listening online and you want the handout, just sh- send an email to info at refugechurchonline.com. We'll get one email to you. Look at this. Look at some of these things. Sad, a sad, sad reality of the world that we live in. So here's the thing. If you can't, you can set up filtering, but it's not as good through your, sometimes through your um, provider, your internet service provider, or you can pay. I don't want to pay more. It's well worth the investment. Here's three of them. Be secure, net nanny, covenant eyes. I've used net nanny. I'm currently using covenant eyes. Here's the way it works. My wife sets up the account. My wife has the password. 
if I went on my laptop, my phone, my iPad right now, and I typed in any type of search terms that could be vulgar or risque in any way, shape, or form, it comes up and says, blocked. And you can set it up where your internet can't be accessed from like 10 at night to 9 in the morning. You can set it up where if somebody accesses a site, you get a text message instantly that says, so-and-so, this user tried to access a blocked site. There is power in accountability. If you are a single person, I will be your accountability partner. If you're a female, my wife will be. If you're a male, I will be. Okay, or someone else that you trust in the church. Don't let the internet destroy your walk with God. It will never happen to me. It's happened to greater people than you and I. Set up safeguards. So I remember when I first went to my wife, she's like, you have a problem? I said, no, honey, I don't want to have a problem. I said, I want to set this up. I want to have the safeguards in place. She can at any time go online, click on me as a user, and look at every single place on the internet that I've viewed in the last 30 days, 60 days, however you want to do it. She can look at it like a credit card statement. And I love that because you know what? She keeps me accountable. It makes no provision for the flesh. I don't want that junk sneaking into my life. So is it worth $70 to install? Yep, absolutely. You may not be able to clean up the whole world, but you can try and clean up your own house. So I bring this to a close. I laugh. Young people, we don't have a lot of in the middle teenage years. Um, When my pastor preached these messages, I just despised it. I hated it. I hated it. Because then my dad would always come home and talk about all the changes we're going to make. And he was already strict. And he would get more strict after these messages. But I'm so thankful for a pastor who was willing to preach it, encourage lines to be drawn, and parents who had enough backbone to draw them for me. I'm really grateful. This is why I'm challenging you to to set boundaries and limits because just as they are on your property, it says you can come this far, but no farther. This is where the line's drawn. You can come this far, but you ain't coming past this point. So where are the lines in your life? The best advice I can give as I close, get a strict filter for your computer, have a plan, on when, re- when reports will be sent to your spouse and for sites that your children visit. If you're asking me, I'm just, this is just advice. I'd stay away from theaters. Countercultural. Best suggestion? If TV's that detrimental, I wouldn't have one. That's where I warned you. I said, I'm still old-fashioned in some ways. You know, our, our organization, our Pentecostal organization, used to be strict, and they wanted to avoid it also. They just said, don't have one. Things have changed a little bit. Not, they have not said, oh, yeah, go ahead, all you ministers, go ahead and get one. But now you can view, really, TV on your phone and your iPad and all these places. So they've changed and said, listen, just control the content of whatever it is you're watching. But me being old-fashioned, I still say, it's just wise to just stay away. So, that's my advice. Oh, my goodness. Let's take the 99% down, right? 
It's really quiet in here. But if you don't, you say, you know what? I don't struggle with that. And, and, and I'm being transparent. I do enjoy watching sports. If I went ahead and put a TV in my house and got uh, cable, oh, I would waste a whole bunch of time. I'd be watching baseball games and football games and basketball games. So I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to do it. Well, my content is not bad. Yeah, but how much time are you spending in front of it? I don't care if the content is the greatest in the world. How much time is being spent in front of it? How much time? What could you do with that time doing something different? And then, you know what? Determine what movie rating will be allowed or not allowed into your house. I don't care how bad you want to see the new release. Just this one time, draw a line in the sand and say, I don't ever go past this point. Here's where my line is drawn. I just told you where my lines are drawn with the filtering, the theaters, the television, the movies. I've told you all of it. Those are my lines, and I know right where they are. You might say, I don't agree with your lines. That's fine. You are a grown adult. You're in a free country. You get to choose what you want to do. But do you know where your lines are drawn? Because you might not agree with mine, but at least draw your own. If you don't agree with mine, where are your lines when it comes to movies, television, internet? I strongly suggest that before you go to bed tonight, you begin to talk to your spouse if you're married. If you're not, you just talk to God. But talk to God and your spouse and say, hey, where's our lines drawn? Where are we at in this? Because if not, you'll be careful. It's, it's the truth. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It's what I'm separated from and who I'm separated unto. I'm going to be wise in what I allow my eyes to see. My flesh is going to yearn for certain things. But you know what? Here's where my lines are drawn. Let's stand to our feet. Jesus, you've challenged us, God, and Lord, I just, I just pray that you'd help us. Lead us, guide us. I'm not outside your, your, your word tonight, so I know that principles have gone forth that I know someone's challenged. Someone listening online, someone here tonight, God, help every person to just have an open heart and mind that just says, God, what? do you have for me? What do you, what, what are you calling me to do? And Jesus, that they would respond to whatever call it is. I know that every person is at a different point in their walk with God. So not everybody's going to have the exact same lines, but Jesus, help everyone to know what their lines are and why they hold them. God, so that we can say, you know what? Lord, I'm separated from the things of this world unto you, and I want to love you, and I want nothing to hinder me or trip me up or knock me down or pull me away, God. So, Jesus, help us to have wisdom as we draw lines. Help us to be united as, as husband and wife, Lord, as lines are drawn in the home. Because, Father, Lord, it would be just so difficult when there is a divide between spouses. Lord, help both speak to both spouses tonight. 
Lord Jesus, and I pray that these are decisions we could make that will bring us forever closer to you and remove the hindrances. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you all.